So we have our votes of confidence coming up momentarily, and we'll make some best bets when it comes to the NFL season and all the fun that goes into that. But the Virginia Cavaliers get ready to battle James Madison tomorrow at Scott Stadium for a noon kickoff. Simultaneously, Purdue-Virginia Tech will be kicking off. If you're at the UVA game, you can always plug an earpiece in and listen to the possibly more competitive game of Purdue and Virginia Tech, which is a 10 o'clock airtime and a 12 noon kick on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Of course, 93.3 FM Lynchburg and VTR in Southside 106.3. But the hardest thing out of any of them this weekend is to really get a gauge on Virginia. And heck, whatever you see tomorrow against JMU doesn't really have much of an impact on the way the rest of the season is going to unfold for either of these teams, or at least making a judgment on it. If Virginia looks flat tomorrow, there's an entirely different emotional angle to bring up. And heck, it's been there for the first two games. And it's real easy to say that that's a problem for Virginia and you have to work around that and that they have to learn to battle through that being an issue uh, and the emotion of the first game back since the shooting, which was the Tennessee loss, and then the first game at home since the shooting, which is the game coming up tomorrow. But there is a human element to this. And it's a society that I think for better, not worse, is more conscious of those mental issues. Here's the other part. Virginia's probably going to be playing with their backup quarterback tomorrow. Anthony Calandria expected to get the start over Tony Musket, who is probably, a, what, a two- to three-week injury, according to most folks, for the separated non-throwing shoulder he sustained after continuing to get battered by the superior Tennessee defensive line going up against the inferior Virginia offensive line. But then there's the other part to this as well. I mean, if Virginia is fly as a pancake tomorrow, does that change your faith, or lack thereof, in Tony Elliott, the Virginia head football coach? I mean, it doesn't really for me. You know, the circumstances may impact them being flat tomorrow. It's hard to get a gauge on how the emotions are going to be in play for Virginia. But, I mean, uh, we've had plenty of evidence before the tragic shooting of this Virginia Cavalier program not exactly being headed in a confidence-inspiring direction with Tony Elliott. And likewise, and, you know, I would like to see this happen because I have nothing against JMU. We cover them, too. But we cover Virginia a little bit more. I'd like to see Virginia get a win tomorrow. Certainly the emotional side of things would would buoy that and heighten that, given all that they're going through with the ceremonies around Lavelle Davis Jr., Devin Chandler, and Deshaun Perry tomorrow. But if Virginia comes out and beats JMU, they have an inspiring late rally that they actually are able to push across the finish line as opposed to the Louisville or Notre Dame finishes of the last 10 years, which have been more the so close yet so far away, John Oates, Daryl Hall kind. It's it's a truth to this too. And heck, even if Virginia blitzes JMU in the everything that could possibly go right type form, the hand of God weighs in on this game. Or maybe it's the hand of God and it pushes a field goal through or it blocks a JMU field goal and that's how Virginia wins. Are you taking much stock into the Virginia Cavaliers the rest of the season if that happens? Because I'm not. I'll still need to see how they handle at Maryland next Friday when all of that emotion wears off. And you have to, first of all, get yourself back up and play the game. But also, it's much more of a back-to-football feel for the final 10 games of the season for the Virginia Cavaliers. So all that to be said, you know, it doesn't take away from what Virginia is going through, but it is a reality of what they are enduring and dealing with right now. And it's why what Tony Elliott said after the win or after the loss against Tennessee, 
it, it, that resonates the fact that even though they got beat up in that game, that they were at least still resilient. For these guys to, to be able to, to make the decision to, to come back to the University of Virginia, you know, that's a, that was a tough decision. Uh, to, to, to come back and fight and continue to, to be a part of the program and just to see their resilience and to see them in the locker room after this game, uh, still standing together, uh, still believing uh, in, the, uh, in the best uh, for this season, the best for this future, uh, because they believe in each other and that's what it took. And so I'm just extremely proud of the players, the staff, the administration, and uh, all those that are, that are close to the program that supported us through this time. Tony Elliott, speaking about the proud feelings that he has for the Virginia Cavaliers. And it does take a lot for the team. And it's clearly something that's hovering above their head. And uh, much like I don't, I don't think emotion either way was going to impact how Virginia performed against Tennessee last week. Roster construction was superior for Tennessee. The state of the program is clearly better in Knoxville than it is in Charlottesville. I mean, those things are obvious, whether emotions were there or not. And Virginia, I thought, kind of hung in there despite getting pushed around for the entire game. They hung in there. They were down 14-3 to until the mythical two-minute warning of the second quarter. And then they give up the late touchdown with six seconds to go to go down 21-3 to at halftime. And then Tennessee gets another one to make it 28-3 early in the third quarter. And they're off to the races of the 45-13 victory. You know, I think that's the part where we are with this Virginia Cavalier team right now. Although, I'm certainly curious how it's going to unfold, and it's why we will be there, or I'll be there tomorrow, at Fast Lane Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, covering that game before the Liberty Flames game. So, it's just a, a bit of a food for thought and a perfect segue into our votes of confidence. Nothing provides the intended inspiration quite like a vote of confidence. The confidence I think that the team has. You know, winning makes you feel good, makes you confident. Now, here's our votes of confidence, inspiring you with the certainty you're seeking. So, we've got those two games at noon tomorrow, one of which starts at 10 a.m. on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. That would be Virginia Tech hosting Purdue. And of course, that's where we will begin right now in our votes of confidence. Hokies are a two and a half point home favorite to the Boilermakers, an over under of 48 and a half. Trey, you're the Virginia Tech alum. You get the honors of going first to kick off week two of the college football season. So I was kind of shocked Tech was favored in this one, to be honest. But after watching what Purdue looked like, um, I think Purdue cannot run the ball well. They weren't able to do it against Fresno State, and I think the secondary of Virginia Tech is actually pretty good. It's the strength of their defense, and I think their pass rush is their strength, so if Purdue's going to have to throw the ball a lot because I don't think they have an effective run game, I think that plays into Tech's hands. So I'm taking Tech with the points in the under. I I like it at 2.5. Uh, I, I, I searched for the best line when I found these uh, for me. Uh, so I could beat you this year. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> selfish motives. At least you're honest about actually, it. Actually, I just found I just always went with I always go with the lowest line because I figured that's best. You know, best for both of us. Uh, so two and a half for Purdue. I have Tech. I'm to have Tech covering and then the under forty eight and a half. We're completely opposite on this. Ooh. I've got Purdue. Their size up front concerns me for Virginia Tech. They are not really that fast. I know, shocking we would say that about a Big Ten team that is not Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State, or Southern Cal if you want to include them a little bit early. But that conference has largely been slow, methodical, and plotting football. But Virginia Tech struggled with Old Dominion's front, and Purdue's is much, much bigger in the front seven. But they have a weakness in the back seven. 
or in the back four with the secondary, and really with the linebackers too in coverage, it's not a strength for Purdue. Virginia Tech, meanwhile, they can't run the ball, so if they get a lead, they're going to struggle to put a team away. And likewise, Virginia Tech is not great in run defense, but they're pretty good in pass defense. But here's the thing. Purdue wants to run the ball to control the game. I think they'll actually be able to move the ball fairly effectively on the ground against Virginia Tech. I think this game goes over, and it's one of those where Virginia Tech's in the lead. They struggle to put it away. I'd love it more at Virginia Tech at three. And I hope they win, again, for our financial best interests, in the immortal words of our guy Kenny Powers, the real dollar dollar bills y'all but i'm going with purdue and in part because yes trey i have been grilling virginia tech all week for this two quarterback system now of course watch brent pride just basically throw that out and you know kind of have lied his way through understandably i might add this week and that's why we are at this spot with purdue uh probably losing to virginia tech now that i said that they'll win so two things about this one i think if they win this game i feel about 85% 85% sure they'll go bowling because I think they win their next two non-con games at Rutgers at Marshall. Um, but wouldn't you agree, and the reason why I think this game could be interesting, and I lean why Purdue's, Purdue is running in the air raid offense, Hudson Card's probably the best quarterback Virginia Tech will face until they play Jordan Travis. And probably outside of Jordan Travis, the best quarterback they'll face all year. It's either him or Brendan Armstrong. Wouldn't you agree? As of now, yes. I mean, that could obviously change because Jordan Travis is going to probably be the no, best quarterback. I said, no, Jordan Travis is the best quarterback they'll okay. face this year. The second I'm say, best I'm quarterback saying, they'll I'm face. saying outside of Jordan Travis, this will be the best quarterback they play all year. They don't play Duke, do they? No. So okay. it's 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 Djokovic, the quarterback at right, Pitt, I, okay, or I'm a, Brendan Armstrong. I'm going to interject. I'll go with Djokovic at Pitt over Brendan Armstrong because I give Pitt's system the consistent benefit of the doubt. Where I'm still Armstrong, picking Hudson Card. Yeah, I mean, I, I can Hudson understand your logic. Anyway, we're on opposite sides of this. I think there's actually quite a bit of points that are scored in Virginia Tech against Purdue, and I think Purdue keeps it close. Uh, I, again, I would love it at three. I probably don't play it at two and a half if you're looking for my advice on that one. Second game, Trey, we mentioned it earlier. From a betting standpoint, for anybody that's listening on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app or Fast Lane Ed Lane, where you listen to podcasts and you've got a more easy way to get down on this particular game. UVA, a six and a half point underdog at home to JMU. Yes, you heard that correctly. Over under of 40.5. This is a principal play of this is a power five team at home against a group of five team. And six and a half points is way too much. So I have UVA. I do not trust UVA's offense. I somewhat trust UVA's defense. So I will take UVA in the under 40 and a half. I'm going the under 40 and a half because I don't trust UVA's defense. And frankly, JMU with a backup quarterback and uncertainty there at that position because their starter last week didn't perform very well, doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. This is a feel of a weird game. I like UVA to cover 10-7. I'm telling you, 10-7. You know, this may be one of those the hand of God type games. 9-6. Where JMU lines up to attempt a field goal and it's blocked and Virginia ends up winning like 16 to 14. 2 nothing. The first quarter score between ODU and Tech. How about I that? I wouldn't put it past them at all. Truthfully, I stay far away from this game because it is really hard to figure out what you're going to get out of Virginia and how they respond to all the pomp and circumstance and ceremonies around the uh, memorial for the three fallen football players and teammates uh, of theirs from last year. 
Third game, I'll be at this one as well. A lot of time at football stadiums for me tomorrow. New Mexico State, they are a 10.5-point underdog at Liberty with an over-under of 52.5, and we'll preview this game around 540 today with John Manson from acfred.com. Liberty in the under. Um, so I'm going under in all these games. Uh, Liberty's defense was still really good last week. A uh, couple freak plays they got to the over. Um, offense was okay. So uh, I think Liberty will cover. I think it'll be like a 17 or a, a 24-7 kind of game. I'm going with New Mexico State. New the Mexico half- State did lose to UMass. I just want to add that part in. Hey, I, and I actually say this. I was impressed with the way UMass looked. I know those are words that I never thought would come out of my mouth. The for Fighting a Don team. Browns. Hey, they have a roster that actually has got some dudes. Again, we've touched on Liberty strategy where it's to get the guys that were at Power 5 programs but couldn't cut it or had behavioral or other issues that popped up and all of a sudden, voila, they're available. UMass has done that. Um, here's the other thing. I think a lot of the theory on New Mexico State in this game is inflated by last year. I don't think there's much of a revenge angle because you got a 50% roster turnover from last year to this year with Liberty. So the whole revenge angle, I mean, heck, even the coaching staff at Liberty is not going to play that up because they kind of had one foot out the door at Coastal Carolina on their way to Liberty last year. Look at the end of their season results for Coastal Carolina. So they're not really going to play it up. It's not going to register with a good chunk of the roster because they weren't around for this last year. I don't think that's really a story in this. It is for fans, but I don't think it is for players. Maybe Diego Pavia of New Mexico State, the quarterback, uh, does some more cocky things that rub Liberty fans and players the wrong way, and that fuels the rivalry that could potentially be born. But I don't think it has much right now, at least, to do with what happened last year, even with him signing autographs on the sideline in that debacle of a uh, performance for Liberty University. Um, But 10.5 is a big number. Liberty's self-inflicted mistakes popped up at times. Without those... I actually think Liberty was blowing away Bowling Green. New Mexico State cannot be more worse coached than Bowling Green for that particular level. Shout out Jerry Kill. And yes, Liberty is, of course, very well coached by... Jamie uh, Caldwell coming from from Carolina. So convicted in that commentary, Trey. I hope Um, I call well and get my pick right. Well, you hope so. I've got New Mexico State. If it was 10, again, I would think it's right on the number. You give me that extra half point, I'll take it, and I'm going under 52 and a half also. The two, two college games I picked, one was for you and one was for me. Yes, thank you for keeping us on task, Trey. Colorado minus three against Nebraska, over under a 58 and a half. I know this is the public play of the year to go with both of these. But I'm taking the over and I'm taking Coach Prime in his home debut. By the way, I love how the TV network that is broadcasting this game is not even saying Nebraska versus Colorado. It's Coach Prime's home debut. And oh, by the way, here's the irony of that broadcast. We, of course, expect you to be listening to the Virginia Tech broadcast on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. But if you decide to take a moment to turn that volume down, turn up the volume on Colorado, Nebraska, and pay attention to the play-by-play announcer who did not go to Colorado, getting more excited and openly cheering for Coach Prime than the color analyst who actually did go to Colorado. And played football and was like one of their best players ever. Meanwhile, everyone loves Gus Johnson. But, I mean, he's a caricature to a certain extent. And I admire his genuineness in a lot of cases. He makes basketball actually really good for college basketball. But the open rooting is just so obvious. It's comical. But he'll have a lot to cheer for. I think Colorado covers the three-point spread, and it does go over 58.5. Yeah, I agree with you. Colorado over 58.5.
Texas plus seven at Alabama. Do we have that game on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app tomorrow night? No, we don't. Okay. We I only have one game tomorrow. Just Virginia Tech tomorrow. Yeah, because yeah. tomorrow's the I think day Learfield's all... actually broadcasting that game, but I don't think we do those. No, so. we don't do those, but uh, yeah, I, I forgot. Tomorrow's the day where all the games that we could potentially add are, are noon, noon kickoffs like the Virginia Tech game, which is the one, of course, that hey, we'll go Cy-Hawk with. Hey, Hawk games tomorrow. Uh, uh, if you want a free bet, just bet the under in that game. Yes, and uh, you might even be able to get a nap in during it for how entertaining it is. Texas plus seven. You can see plus seven and a half out there. I bring that up because I'm taking Texas and would love the seven and a half in this because it correlates with my other thought. Under 53 and a half. I think Alabama wants it to be a lower scoring game. I think their defense is capable of that. But I, I think trust I trust that Quinn Ewers can at least make some plays to keep it within a touchdown game. Seven to me is a push. Seven and a half. Give me Texas. Ed, you know what you never do? What? He never bet against Nick Saban. You never. I didn't say he's going to lose. Ever. Uh, let me get to my point. Ever, ever bet against Nick Saban. Guess what I'm doing? You betting against Nick Saban? I am. Texas is going to not just cover. They're going to win this football game. They're the better football team because they have a better quarterback, a better skilled positions, and up front, they, are, they can match Alabama. I really like their offensive line. They should have won this game last year. Um, no offense to Jaden Milrow. I just think this is like the only time we saw him in a big game, he did not look great against Texas A&M. I think this Texas team can give the knockout punch. If this game is anything like it's last year where Alabama had to ask Bryce Young to bail him out, Jaden Milrow is not doing that. Um, I really, really, really like this Alabama team defensively, but uh, I think Texas gets it done. I think Stark, Stark makes enough plays. I'm going over 53 and a half. Uh, I, I just lean the over in this one, but I, 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 my gut, my gut is telling me, and I also have Texas in the playoff. So even though I said they would lose this game, but once they pick Jaden Milrow and he's not the better passer, one of those two guys who, especially Ty Simpson, who's in my opinion, a better passer. I'm going with Texas. I just think Quinn Ewers gets it done. To the NFL we go. For, before we get to our Sunday triple header that we'll have starting at 1230 on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Commanders, seven-point favorites against the Arizona Cardinals. 38, the projected points in this one. So this is just too much unknown. Unknown, really, with Sam Howell in the offense. Unknown with whatever Jonathan Gannon is doing. Um, So I'm actually, I think the Commanders win. I just want to preface that. But seven is too much in an opening game. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of scoring. So I'm going to take the Cardinals to cover in the under 38. You took the thoughts right off the top of my head. So I will take the dibs on the next one. I'm going with you, by the way, on both of those. Niners, two and a half points at Pittsburgh. Over under a 41 and a half. Trey, another correlated one. Pittsburgh can play great defense. San Francisco, I think, will be conservative with Brock Purdy in his first game back at quarterback. Uh, I got the Steelers at plus three before this number came down, full disclosure. Um, I love that particular projection. But I like Pittsburgh in the under. Mike Tomlin always has his teams prepared early in the year. The Niners can take a moment to get things figured out. So I go Pittsburgh and under 41 and a half. Yeah, uh, Pittsburgh's winning this football game. I think the Niners. I think the Niners will be good. I just don't see them as a uh, true championship contender with Brock Purdy at quarterback. Because if you've ever watched Brock Purdy, he's good for a month and then he fades. And he basically had a month as a starter last year. That's why he was good. So uh, Steelers in the under. Game two of our triple header after San Francisco Pittsburgh is Green Bay at Chicago Bears. 
One and a half point favorites against the Packers. 41 and a half, the over-under. A common theme of mine in the early season is take the underdogs in these divisional matchups. I'm more sold on Jordan Love, or at least the supporting cast around Jordan Love, than I am on Justin Fields. I'm not very high on him, nor am I high on what the Chicago Bears have put around Justin Fields. I like Green Bay to win this one outright, and once again, I'm going under 41 and a half. Agree. Packers in the under. Sunday Night Football. Third game for us. Cowboys three and a half at the Giants. I've seen three elsewhere. I would certainly prefer that, but I'll take Dallas at three and a half, and I'm going under 45 and a half. I'm not sold on the Giants offense. Dallas's defense is really good, and Dallas, I think, can control the flow of the game. I think the Giants are more likely to win the division than the Cowboys, so I'm taking the Giants in the under. Trey, your Super Bowl projection before the season begins, what happens? So last year, I had Bills over Eagles, and the Eagles made the Super Bowl. This year, I have Eagles over Bills. I'm doing this perhaps partially for reverse psychology reasons, because that way, if it doesn't come close to happening, or at least the NFC part of this, I'll keep being able to use this glorious soundbite. It's looking a little bit like those Dallas Cowboys as peaking in the 90s. But I have them making the Super Bowl and then inevitably suffering one of your typical Dallas Super Bowl hangovers after they lose to Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, who start the year slow, but... That team always rallies over the back half of the season, and Joe Burrow finally gets his ring. Trey, NASCAR, trucks, Xfinity, cup races, truck tonight, Xfinity tomorrow, cup Sunday, all from Kansas. Nick Sanchez, truck winner, Josh Berry, Xfinity winner, and Bubba Wallace goes back to back in the cup race. You and I are on the same page for the cup race. I've got Bubba Wallace, but I've got all Toyotas this weekend. I've got Corey Heim in the truck race and John Henry Nemechek, the favorite in the Xfinity Series race. When we return, Dave Walls, he's at the christening of the brand new Liberty Christian Academy Bulldogs football stadium. They battle Franklin County this evening. Will the Eagles be a sacrificial bird tonight? We will find out from WSET's Dave Walls when we return here in the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.